Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters, with your hosts Walker Near and Brett Lindley. I'm Walker, and today we discuss the evolving adventure Brett is having in his Dungeons & Dragons campaign, more High Seas Adventures and Sea of Thieves, and I also share thoughts about the Warhammer 40k book series Eisenhorn that I've been reading. Finally, we have a quick chat about the new update to the StarCraft II map. So what's up, Brett? What's got you picking up your sticks this week? Hey, how's it going? Not, pretty good. Not a terrible, huge amount of stuff has got me really gaming. I haven't, I have not done a whole lot of gaming this week. I'm still tiddlywinking with EDF5 because I'm like, I don't know, no more than a dozen missions away from the end. Mm. But they're also all, they're getting to be really long missions, especially solo because that's how I'm playing through them now on easy mode because I don't want to. I don't play long enough sessions to like want other people to play with me. Cause if I'm just going to play for 10 minutes and five minutes in, you join the session, I'm like, I'm going to play one mission and quit. And I feel bad. So I set it to solo play only on easy, but some of the missions are really, it's not necessarily that they're long, but the levels will be really big. And if there's like one giant ant monster all the way at the beginning of the map that you somehow missed, you have to just like go all the way back and kill mm. it before the mission will end um and like the engagement definitely is kind of down there's just there's it's almost an overwhelming amount of stuff in that game it's kind of like terraria like you want to see and play everything but you still get burned out and there's still so much to do um yeah it really i mean i think the dynasty warriors comparison that you made a couple weeks ago is probably and not having played it i say this right. but that sounds the most apt um just because dynasty warriors has like a hundred characters you can play as and there's like a thousand weapons or something in the game but eh, i i i don't know who sees that <laughs> someone i guess right <laughs> um so i'm still tiddly winking with that some but i think the thing that i've done the most which i haven't talked about for a couple of episodes is uh we're have a pretty pretty awesome D D campaign going now um the campaign has still the dungeons and dragons has continued and uh it's been it's been really fun. Like we got one extra player, so we we finally have a cleric and a second girl in the group, which really helps balance out the too much macho dynamic. Um, a lot but, of machoism in D and D games, mean, is it's there? Not really machoism, just, <laughs> just dudes. Yeah, yeah, it's nice you. to have a variety of different types of people playing. Um, so we're at one, two, three, four, five, six players in a DM. Which is, that's a lot to manage. Um, and our DM's not, like, new, but he's also not, like, he's new to 5e. Um, which means he hasn't DM'd in, you know, what he has DM'd has been a while ago and was 3-5 and stuff. So, a little rusty around the edges. I'm also not sure if he's used to running 6. I mean, he seems pretty comfortable. But it's also just a lot of interpersonal mechanics to challenge. Like... If one person is, you know, doing something in a room by themselves and it's not super engaging, you start having side conversations where one person will turn to the other and whisper something and then somebody else will talk about a character from another game and then the whole table is off track and like people aren't paying attention. So it just takes a lot to keep that to keep everybody engaged mm. and interested in moving forward. Plus, we're, you know, I mean, we're all young adults and having doing your adult things or I guess adults I don't want to. I hate feeling old, you know, but uh, you're in your mid 30s. So, yeah, I know. Young adults, not 60. Yeah. 60 is like 
adult adult right you realize that that's just gonna keep getting kicked down far yeah. like you're gonna be 50 and be like i'm still really a young man yeah you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i hope so i hope i feel that way i hope i always feel like a young adult because i mean right that right anyway um so there's been just a lot of distractions and there's a, one of the players leaves for another session at about eight thirty nine o'clock. We have a start time of like five ish. Um, and then, you know, everybody's got to bring dinner in and get drinks in the fridge and kind of hang out and chit chat for a little bit. Um, and then, you know, we actually try to eat like try like seven or eight, you know, um, which just means that it takes like half an hour to get everybody in the table and then half an hour to make sure everybody's got books. And that's if nobody's late, there was actually a massive accident uh, on the way to my house uh, this last week that two players had to find alternate paths to my house. Cause it's like to the road that comes to our subdivision. But mm. um, luckily they found a back way and got in, but it took them like an extra 20 minutes cause they had to go all the way around town and um yeah, so it's just it's a lot to get everybody together in one place, and by the time we actually start playing, it's just the distractions are everywhere. So everybody is already engaging in those side conversation and it's like wants to carry them on, you know. Um, and there's been some. So one of the big things that uh, we have done, but me and my DM kind of pooled our resources together, is I now have like a fully functional display table. Uh, for D&D &D to run on now. So I had, long story short, picked up a TV that was on the side of the road uh, that was going to go out in the trash. And I thought, you know, hey, if I can repair it, it's a free TV. And turns out I like 90% repaired it. It has like one stream of green pixels on like one side, but it's really close to the edge. So it's not replacing the TV that I want to watch movies on. Um, but I, it was supposed to be for the exercise room, but we never really turned the exercise room into like a serious exercise room uh so it just kind of sat in there and so i had like a i don't know 52 inch flat screen lcd tv and uh i had an old war gaming table from when i played tabletop war games with a good buddy and uh because we didn't want to go up to the store all the time so we made like a little six by four table well we decided to cut a giant hole in the middle of the six by four table which was vinyl topped because war games and drop the TV into it and reupholster the vinyl to like wrap it around and then chop the legs down from standing height to sitting height because more gaming table. And now we have just a dinner table in the spare bedroom now that is it has an LCD flat screen in it to, to like show our terrain and stuff on. Um, and so that was like a big accomplishment. It's really awesome. Uh, but our DM is more of a, so like my, the DM is kind of a theater of the mind guy. Like he explains everything just through words and you see it in your head and you make actions based on that. But having two new players and a couple of kind of mediocre, like intermediate players, I don't want to call them mediocre, but like not super pro time. Uh, it's just a lot to manage. Like who, if that guy's in melee combat with him, but I'm standing 20 feet away, how is he in melee combat also with me? Like, and just kind of, there's a lot of questions and, and semantics, especially you get, you get six or seven players on a table and six or seven goblins. And all of a sudden you kind of have to know. Could you use tabletop simulator to play D and D? You can, uh, it's 
probably not quite as good because you would mm. have to do a lot of things to get the maps in it. We currently are trying to use Roll20, but that's a system that our DM doesn't really know very well. And I've been inexperienced for like a year and a half. He I, he was like, hey, can you show me some stuff? I tried to jump in. It's like, sure, we can use my account like until you're comfortable or if you want it, then you can get an account or whatever. And we're not using any of the dice rolling or character sheets or anything else that you would use for virtual play. We just wanted the maps. And uh, even that is like, there's been so many changes in the last year and a half that I don't, I don't really know <laughs> how anything works anymore. Like I don't remember. So mm-hmm. like I'm having to Google stuff too. And so then we're having to have like two laptops in there because you want to have one for the player's vision for the TV. Cause that's what everybody sees. But then you have to have one for the, the DM to be able to like pull monsters in off of like off the screen or whatever. So it's just been, there's been a lot of like, it's a lot of technical difficulties, but it's like, it's awesome though. And like, we all really love it. And we like it, we finally got to have a big combat this last week uh, where we were, we're hunting this goblin, like not war boss, but uh, like mob boss. And we had been backstabbed on the way, trying to get him. But now like we've also attacked his crew and so we're kind of in the middle of this, trying to figure out whose side, who wants to be on our side, and trying to not just all get murdered and burst into this giant goblin warehouse. And there were tons of goblins in there. And just having that visualization on the screen and having like the lighting and stuff, because it just looks like kind of like a, a little Diablo-esque, I guess. Not like the isometric, it's all top down. But the way the lighting is handled is kind of you know, gives me that feeling that it's like in, in essence, maybe not in, you know, reality, but in essence, it made me feel like I was playing. So is it, are there actually textures on the map? It's not just like a grid. Oh yeah. No. So that's the great thing about roll 20 is that you can have like, you can import like a JPEG or Mm. whatever. And people will Photoshop like amazing looking maps. And like, this looked like the inside of a warehouse. There were crates stacked up. There was a, a railway that was actually kind of like there's a second floor but not really it's like a one and a half floor it's a two-story warehouse but the floor is like open with rafters up top and there's this minecart system that they would use to like roll barrels down because they're smugglers and the goblins so barrels and uh we had like torn half of it down because we thought somebody was trying to escape on a minecart and instead it was the sound of barrels rolling to us and like, so they shove barrels through the ceiling and we're dropping bot like bombs and alcohol on us and trying you not know, to like set the whole place on fire and trying to find this mob boss to like convince him, like, we're not trying to kill all your dudes and, you know, little tokens of goblins all over the map. And some of them have swords and some of them have shields and some of them have bows and arrows and they're all represented on the map and the lighting, like if you can't see through a wall, it's just black through that wall. Now, all of the characters kind of share vision because we're all looking at the map. But there's still there's still like when the door is closed, it's just you could see the street and then black. And it's mm. like there's a door in front of you. And some of it's theater of the mind, but like actually in combat. Now, there is a grid laid out on top of it um, right. for handling, you know, spaces and movement and stuff. But it, it just for me, it increases, especially in a battle scenario. Like I love theater of the mind for role play. But in a battle scenario, I like to see the grid. Um, cause I want to plan out how exactly how far to move and exactly how far to shoot something. So, right. It's a, it's becoming awesome, but it's just, it's a lot more challenges. We thought 
like, hey, I have the table, I have the TV, let's spend a weekend merging these two together, which was a whole project. And then that's the hard part, we're done, yay. And it's like, no, now we've got to actually get into map making and getting into, like, because even, even Roll20 is made more for, like, six players to connect remotely to. And everybody sees only their vision. Um, but we're having one quote-unquote player control all six tokens, which means the DM needs two laptops, so they've got to understand how to manage that and how to give that experience to the players and how to make that quick and efficient and all of that. So there's just a lot of learning for everybody. It's still awesome. It's still amazing. Um, I'm just eager for... And the whole crew is still kind of new just to getting to know each other. So a lot of people, like I said, with the side conversations and stuff, everybody's still kind of learning and interacting just with who each other are. Um, which is awesome because I'm making new friends. So yay, friends. Uh, and also just like... But it also does kind of take away from that D&D experience of like... I'm trying to get into character, guys. Like, I wanna, I wanna feel what this, what my character's feeling, see what I'm seeing, you know. So, and I don't ask this in a, a I don't know how it, how this sounds. I don't ask it in a mocking way at all. I no, really, yeah. but does anyone do like voices? Yeah, for yeah. So characters in uh, DCs, anything like that in your group? I mean, yeah, I don't mean. My, so like, I do a voice. Um, uh, our, let's see, our Genasi does a voice and our uh i'm not sure what's what a genasi a genasi is kind of like ha like so it, like a half elf is half elf and half human a genasi is half elemental half human so she's oh, a okay. water genasi so she's got like like slick kind of skin and her hair is always looks like it's underwater like kind of waving in the air and stuff so mm -hmm. she's pretty cool um our drow druid does a voice our Vidalkin, I think, is is leaning towards a voice, but it's it's close to his voice. But he's, I think, he's still kind of getting into character. Um, and the two new characters, not really too much into voices yet. I think they're still kind of learning, just kind of the aspects of what character am I actually role playing. So yeah, well, that's and that's why I, I prefaced it like I did, just because I feel like if I was going to do it, which as you know, I've never really played, but I feel like I would be embarrassed to try and do a voice. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I wouldn't be. You can be at first, but it, if it get like for me, I get in, I get into character a lot better with it. And like at first I'll be like, cause especially our session zero, I was like our session one. I like, I, I don't know any of you. Are we doing voices? Is that what people like? Are you guys that far in? I don't want to be weirder than everybody else. Like I don't necessarily <laughs> want to be that guy. Right. Um, but instead of that, I just went for it. And then somebody else did a voice. I'm like, yay, I'm not the only one. Oh, my God, thank God. <laughs> like, right. As long as I'm not the only person doing a voice. If I was, I would probably drop out of it. But yeah. I definitely get into character. I try to think like my character. Like, if there's things that, that Brett knows that Fate doesn't, then Fate doesn't know them. And I don't play them. You know, mm. I really try to think about, like, what... Even if I necessarily wouldn't react poorly to something, Fate may. And so, you know, and I try not to use it as like an excuse to be a jerk, uh, but I also want it to be kind of like as realistic, as a, right? It's realistic as a fantasy setting gets. Like I want it to be those moments of entertainment, those moments of drama make the world real and make it more interesting. Right, right. Um, so how much time do you think you spend doing between combat versus adventuring in this session? So, so far we've played like three games or so, like three or four sessions. Um, 
It's been a healthy mix. We've had like minor encounters, like small encounters versus just a couple of goblins or a couple of rats or something as we're trying to get there, like random encounter type things. Um, I think right now it's probably more encounter based than roleplay because our first mission was time based. So mm -hmm. we had three days to find and capture this goblin mob boss mm -hmm. that had escaped from prison. And that was like, that was the goal. Three days, that's all you have. So we're kind of in a rush because we don't know where he is. We don't know who he is or what he's doing. So there's some investigation that happens and some role play there. But a lot of it was kind of stress-based, like just go, 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 because we we're on a time crunch. Um, I think now that we've kind of come to the at least the conclusion of the start of that arc, like we're out of the time limit. We were double-crossed, so the time limit doesn't matter anymore. But we wanted to find him before he moved off again before our leads dried up. So like now that we found him, we've talked to him, there's been some stuff happen. Uh, some of the other players have had like individual conversations with other characters or the DM or whatever. So there's some things that not everybody knows. And I think now that we're out of that, there's a lot more room for us to role play now. And that, you know, hopefully our next quest, you know, our next quests are, some of them could be really overarching because we don't know how powerful the people that double-crossed us really even are. Uh, we don't know anything about them. And so, like, figuring that stuff out and then getting to know the other characters and, like, are we sticking together? Are we going to continue adventuring together? Because our characters were all kind of pay like paid mercenaries just brought in. Um, and now, all of a sudden, we're all double-crossed together and we've got to figure out you know, what's, what's going on. So... Well yeah, I was going to ask that. Like, can you, is it possible? I mean, I, obviously I understand that literally anything is possible because yes, you guys make it up. And go. <laughs> I get that. I guess maybe is it likely is a better question. Um, do you think it's likely that you guys would split off? You said there's six players. So like, would you go in three groups of two or two groups of three or whatever that looks like that where you're actually of, on separate adventures? Like one of the first rules of D and D is you never split the party. Okay. okay. Um, it's generally a bad idea because people it seems like you, I mean, talk about managing stuff. It seems oh, yeah, like... no, that's that is a lot. Now, the DM said that, like, so if we're all in town and he says you're going to be in town for a week. Right. And then that's the end of the session. Um, our DM has said that he's open to having like a phone call or if, you know, I'm just hanging out at his house or something, then I could possibly say that I go on an adventure on one of my days and he just runs me through that solo. I just go off on my own and do this for a day. And then when we're all together in a group and the party gets to whatever day that is or whatever, or like he says, it's the next day I say, this is the day that I do the thing. And he goes, okay, well, Fate's, you know, Brett's character wanders off and, you know, has left early. You aren't sure where he is. You guys can do whatever you want for the day. And like, so that can happen. He said he's open to it. I have a feeling, especially with six players, like doing side quest stuff is a lot easier with a smaller party. Um, but even then, it's generally you don't want to like push experience gains too far one way or the other. Like just because he's my next door neighbor, I'm not going to be hitting up up constantly. Like, hey, I want 20 XP. Hey, I want to, you know, I want to go fight something like I because it's just it's kind of meant to be played with everybody there. You know? Yeah. Well, it seems like it would be boring, you know, to not for you and him to not for the two people to do the run through. But then when you come back, like, or even outside of that example, just if there were different adventures going on, it's like, if I'm not in your party and I'm listening to you explain that it's like, well, I'm not even involved in this. And I don't, right. 
care. Like there was one, there was so not this last session, but the session before we were going through these sewers and there was kind of a mystery room and half the party wanted to keep going forward. And the other half wanted to explore their mystery room. And, but we're on this time crunch and like, it's getting down to the hours that we're counting that this time crunch is going. And I'm like, I'm like, no, there's no. So he basically said like some things had happened and one of the player, two of the players ended up locked in the room because they went in and I was like, fine, we're shutting the door. We shut the door, but it locked from the other side. But there was like no, it was keyholes on both sides. So they were locked in. We couldn't help them. And then somebody, I think like somebody busted their lock picks or something. So it was basically, you can't get them out. Um, they have to figure it out on their own. And so at that point, like five of us go eat dinner. <laughs> mm. And two people in the DM are, or four of us go eat dinner. Two people in the DM are stuck in the room for like 15, 20 minutes. Um, and then when dinner is done and we all get back together, then it's like, oh, they come out of the room and this happens and, and mm. can kind of carry on from there. But I think that that's, a, that's about the extent is that the DM may ask for if it really should be private. Like if it doesn't need to be private, everybody just sits at the table and watches. It's like watching a movie. Like just because I'm not my character's not there doesn't mean that I'm not going to enjoy seeing your character get up to some shenanigans. Um well, sure, in a, in a small burst like that, but if it was, you know, throughout the whole night, everyone's different. It just seems like there could be long segments of time where you're yeah. not engaged, and that would... Be and it can be, and it depends on the scenario. Like, if we were all doing an Ocean's Eleven type thing, and we're not supposed to know what's happening to the other characters, but it's really fun to see that stuff, then, I mean, it's like watching Twitch. Like, you're, you're, you you want to watch it. You want to know. You want to yeah. see the experience and see the roles. You don't just want to be told later. Um, but if it's, like different side quests and it's not uh, you have to have a really tight-knit group to have side quests be interesting like that or you have to just do them completely separately so for the most part splitting the party and that's another it not only is it easier for party members to die but splitting the party just manages because if there's two different sets of players in two different sets of combat then that's ridiculous because you're managing multiple initiative orders for multiple groups and it's just a mess so do you think that when this session ends, whenever, I don't know how long they go, whenever that is, though, do you think that you will switch roles up, like someone else will be the DM next time, and that sort of thing? I mean, or? that's definitely an option. I've done so much DMing that I'm not entirely sure that I want to do that. Um, and campaigns can run for years. Uh, so it just really depends on if everybody is still interested in playing and want to play the same game, then it just keeps going. I see. So I see. one of the other things that although switching up DMs to keep the humans involved more interested, especially because we have one player that leaves and we don't want to continue the story without them, uh, we have started doing game night afterwards. Right. Yeah. So so we've started picking out some board games and, and doing that, which I think I brought up you know, previously. But that's been that's been nice. And it's giving everybody a chance to kind of still have that friendly get to know each other type thing um and and just hang out and be chill uh so that's been really fun too and and hopefully i'll have some new board game experiences soon as we burn through what everybody has <laughs> right yeah 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 I, man what is that there's the one now i can't think of it of course when we're recording and i want to but oh man there's some game that's like a like a 130 dollar board game i think it's made in poland or something it's also become a um it's also on steam now but it's in like early access, but it's a, you know, a port, if you will, right. of the board game. Oh man. If I'd said the name, you'd be like, oh yeah, but uh, whatever. Red Dragon Either way. Man? No. Okay. That's the only uh, one I know. 
Yeah, I don't. I'm. Yeah, <laughs> I will Google while I continue to talk. But, but anyway, yeah, it reminded me kind of. I think I probably talked about it before because it's one of my only extensive board game experiences. But the Game of Thrones board game, um, when we used to play that, it would take. I mean five hours you know to play a, a single game and it's a 10 turn game right like, now there's three phases to each turn so you know it, but either way like there's a limit on how you know like there's they a clear will end. end it will end right regard and it doesn't matter if someone who's like you can end it earlier than that if someone meets the objectives to but but either way once you get to the end of turn 10 points basically get tallied and a winner is determined anyway but the side conversation thing, because that's what would happen in that. And that's why it took so long was because there are a lot of rules on how the game works, but there aren't really a lot of rules on what kind of deals you can make, which Game of Thrones being a book in a series largely about political intrigue. Right. I thought was kind of fun. But what that means is especially, you know, me being me. Spiteful? <laughs> well, and just scheming. So... It's like, I mean, we do a turn and then I want to take like three people individually away from the table right, on the to own try to make deals to have conversations that no one else is privy to. Right. And it, and it was fine, but it also kind of just like it just drugged the game out so far. But right. if you didn't do that, it really stripped away a lot of the at least what I thought. And I think most other people did, too, was was fun about it. You know what I mean? Was these. Yeah weird deals that go were on other not... people also dragging each other into other rooms while you were having these conversations yeah for as sure. long as you're not, again as long as you're not the only person it's good <laughs> right 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 i don't know if anyone else was quite as um i don't want to say sophisticated because not like i was smarter than the rest of the group but uh as into the plotting as i was we could say that's um, but <laughs> so no one is as shady as you correct yeah i, I mean <laughs> basically gloomhaven gloomhaven is the game oh the game. okay 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 anyway i didn't even google it it just popped into my brain there you go um anyway um but yeah it just reminded me of that and we we thought about trying to get maybe be like set time limits on like between turns you can have whatever sidebars you want but you only have 10 minutes and then you've got to come back right but i don't know we the it takes an hour to set up and it just I don't, it, the rules are so complicated and because there's a clear time limit and because unlike D&D, you're competing against each other. Yeah. It just kind of lends itself to if everyone doesn't know what they're doing, then someone had a dumb plan because it's against the rules, but they don't know until late in the game. Anyway. Um, but yeah, well, that all sounds really cool. Um, I myself have actually been as a gamer, more like you this last week where I didn't actually play a wide variety of things. Yeah. Um, I lar I played a little bit more Magicka, um, okay. which was, it's super fun, but the first one at least crashes incessantly. Yes. Which is really, really annoying. Um, and we tried compatibility mode and whatever, and it just, yeah, I don't know. It just gets tiresome after a while when it, when it crashes. But we all of the DLC for both games and both games was on sale for like 20 something dollars on steam. So me and, and Chris Hammaker, who was on the show last week, um, we both picked all of it up. And I mean, some of the DLC is just ridiculous. Like one of the DLCs for Magicka is a Vietnam scenario. And now, how literally... does Vietnam play out in 
a sword and sorcery game. Like, what do you mean? Like, do, are the characters just, like dressed up in Vietnam or? No, like you literally, I mean, you're placed in a, a jungle biome, right? I mean, basically uh, a biome that would, I guess, is meant to represent Vietnam. And yeah, you fight it. I mean, you still do magic. So the, your, your character plays identically to how it does any other time. Okay. Got to be cool. This is a standalone mission. There's no story. Okay. I mean, there's a little cutscene where the Vlad vampire guy like interacts with you. So there's, I mean, there's a little dialogue, but it's not intended to be inserted into the rest like when you play it and beat it instead of rolling to the next mission it just you know gives you a score and then you can start a new one or start over or whatever okay uh, but anyway yeah the enemies have like ak-47s and m60s and <laughs> you just pick up machine guns rocket launchers wait so just... you can pick up the machine guns and rocket launchers sure. Correct. Just like you can pick up weapons in the normal game, right? If you remember, I don't know. If right. you remember I mean, that. I guess I got like a different staff, but I didn't know if it did anything or if it was just visual or whatever. Um, yeah. So some of the staffs have a passive benefit and then some of them actually do have an active skill. Oh, I didn't get it. that far in the actual campaign to get. I think I'm still missing a couple tutorial elements where like exactly. you run into something and they tell you, oh, this does stuff like I just think I'm not that far. We actually didn't I don't know if there was a really clear tutorial because I only I didn't know that any of them had abilities until Hammaker, I think maybe just misclicked one time and sure enough the, the staff cast a spell and he was like oh well that's kind of cool <laughs> fair <laughs> so, enough yeah um, so you get guns and rocket launchers as a tiny little mage that looks like a pawn out of a board game yes okay. uh, <laughs> also with the DLC was probably like thirty different skins oh that's uh, right. So doesn't look exactly the same anymore. As, as, as so a pawn from a board game covered in spikes? Uh, yeah, <laughs> actually, mine has a, like a rice hat on, like okay. whatever that hat. Yeah. <laughs> so, Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if there's a top hat, I'd probably wear it, you know. Sure, sure. Uh, and some of the outfits change how the game works, like so you're healed or damaged by different things. Like, oh, really? Of, yeah, instead of the healing spell, like you're healed by lightning, but you're then more susceptible to water damage or, you know, whatever the thing is. Interesting, but definitely only interesting if you were playing either by yourself or with someone else who had played a lot. Right. Because how confusing. I mean. Yeah, because then you're so so that would put you in like a, it sounds like it'd put you in a situation where they can't if they tried to use the heal beam on you, it would like hurt you. It just well, in the example, we because we thought Hammaker's game was just bugged. Because he was at low health, and I'm like heal beaming him, and he's healing himself, and it's nothing. And then finally, we went and, and realized that the tooltip of the outfit or whatever explained right. that the lightning healed that that particular one, which is fine. But it's just like if you're not really really invested, you're just not going to remember. You know what so I mean? Those like, outfits give you like different bonuses as well, though. So like maybe you're not healed, but you deal more lightning damage, and lightning heals you, or. Um, I don't really or remember. Does it just we, kind of change the mechanics? I think it just changed it. I mean, it, it might be that you're you benefit more from something and are more susceptible to something else, kind of thing. I think okay. that's true. Um, I mean, for example, being healed by lightning, the res spell, if you remember, is like lightning and life, maybe. Right. I don't know, something like that. But but anyway, so like, if it heal, you know, in the normal game, if you're on, if you're wet, and you just like we explained last week, yep. and you try and cast it, it'll shock you until you die if you don't stop right 
But in that example, it wouldn't do that anymore. So then you could res while you're wet. You know what I mean? So okay. it, it offers, you know, it's definitely nuanced. Right. That would but, definitely be difficult in a group like a, a pub. Yes. Like you, would, you would, yeah, you would have to do it in, unless the outfits were really clearly defined. Like this dude looks like Raiden. Everybody knows that Raiden lightning. Yeah. Guy, like... Well, that's the hat I was trying to describe. Oh, okay. In fact, the outfit that I'm wearing with that, the Raiden hat, uh, does not, uh, does not, is not healed by lightning. Okay. So yeah, it'd have to be, it would be frustrating for everyone involved if you were in a pug, I think, um, for it. But anyway, and then, and then actually just played a ton of Sea of Thieves. Um, so hang, hang on a second. Oh, sure. Yeah. So did you also pick up Magicka 2 then? We did, yes. So, have you guys switched to Magicka 2 because Magicka 1 crashed a whole lot, or were you just more comfortable with Magicka 1's control system and kind of... Mm, they're they're very similar, but there's slight differences. So, like, in the first one, um, everything is, I think, either right-click or left-click. And in Magicka 2... I can't now I'm now I'm confusing myself a little bit because I don't remember specifically. Basically the controls are almost identical, but they're slightly So different. one of them had like Magical One had middle mouse click, which yeah. kind of drove me insane. I think that Magicka 2 maybe doesn't have it. That would be nicer. <laughs> but which is fine, but it was just that we were like, well, cuz cuz we were thinking, oh, well, we could play this and then we'll play Magicka 1 when Brett gets back on right. or whatever. But then it was like, this is going to be too confusing because the game, there's so much to learn and it's so frantic right. that having these tiny little differences in controls would just be frustrating. So it's not that it's a problem as much as just they need to be segregated. Do you guys have, so, so you have stuck to Magical 1 then? So far, yes. So far. I mean, to be clear, okay. we played the most before we recorded last time and then we okay. played a little bit after that. That's fair. Um, but we really got sucked into Sea of Thieves and just spent most of our time. Okay, sure. So, yeah, how's that been then? So you've been doing more uh, Sea of Thieves then? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had I mean, we had a nine-hour session one day. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, That's kind of, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, a little unusual for you to, like, I mean, outside of a WoW, dig that far into a game for that long. Well, that's what's so interesting. And that, that's, I mean, that's kind of what I wanted to, to talk about with it. That's, that's, you know, the question that we have on this show all the time, every week is, you know, why gaming matters, right? Like, why does it matter? What does it do? Mm -hmm. um, and of course, there's a myriad of things that it provides. But I think that the primary thing that it provides for me personally, which to be clear, I don't mean that this is what it provides for everyone, but for me, um, the biggest reason it matters is it provides a context for a social interaction. And it's really, really easy because we don't have to drive anywhere. We don't have to wear certain clothes. We don't have to have certain equipment. You just, right. as long as you have there's no seat. social expectations and there's no mask. Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah in current days for sure. Um, but, but yeah, so usually though, like I've talked about when it's like, well, why do I play games? Like, what is it that draws me in? And it's like, I find that I, I do cross off checklists of dumb, trivial tasks and games and feel embarrassingly satisfied by that. Right. Like delivered a chicken check. Yeah. Well, or like in MMOs, like I think that a reason, I mean, I love the vast worlds that MMOs create. And I don't now really chase the end game of MMOs like I used to. Um, yeah. You know, I'll get to max level, but I'm not 
trying to raid or trying to do arena and wow or something usually. Yeah. Um, but I do still complete little checkbox things, you know, compl- accomplish achievements or unlock flying in right. wow retail. But it's not like I do that so I can then get more hardcore. I just, I don't know. I wanted to unlock you flying. And that's cool. Hey, whatever. But in sea of thieves, it, which is why it's been such an interesting experience. There's nothing. There's nothing to chase. It's, I mean, you can chase some cosmetics, but even then, you know, I, you know me. I, yeah, I right. that's not, so that is not your carrot as much as, although you did say that it is a pretty good carrot when it's plundered cosmetics. It's true, but, and, and I do enjoy, I do enjoy the piracy part of it. Um, I, yeah, I just like trolling people, but anyway, um, <laughs> I, so I do like that, but but I guess my point just being like it in no way. I am never I never have the thought when we're playing, oh man, I can't wait to turn this treasure in so that I can buy X. Okay, that's fair. I just don't. And honestly, I mean that's that's to some extent because I've already bought everything that was the number one thing that I wanted to buy. Right. Like like I have a, an eye patch that has a, a gem on it. That's super cool to me. I probably I mean Maybe someday I want to change eye patches, but there's not another eye patch that's more appealing than that one to me right. currently. So, you know, or I have a hook that's golden. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll see another hook at some point that fancies me more, but it's got to be better than right. golden. It would have to be like gold with all of the gems in it that look like the the stones for the infinity stones or something like. Yes, yes, exactly. Um but yeah, but but what's so interesting, and I know we talked about this a little bit last week too. So not to to, to belabor the point, but just it's I mean the most succinct way to say it is emergent gameplay. But it's just so crazy. I mean, when we played for nine hours, which is an insane amount of time. To your point, you're right. That is not common for <laughs> especially in a game where I'm not chasing a larger carrot. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's why I brought that up because normally it's like, yeah, I might play an MMO forever, but that's because I'm trying to level or I'm trying to get the gear. Or I'm trying to whatever. And in this, there's nothing to chase other than the adventure. Like it's just, it's just great. Now playing with Hammaker specifically is also advantageous because he is much more high energy than I am. <laughs> um, can be difficult to do, but he does pull that off. He does. And he is, so he's like, He's just willing to do all of the things. So, I mean, <laughs> we have situations where, like, he's steering the boat, you know, turning the sails, raising and lowering the sails to catch wind, and you know, whatever, figuring out where we're going to go. And then he's like, hey, where are you? And I am under the deck getting drunk and cooking <laughs> chicken, right? <laughs> <laughs> Resulting, and I don't know if I shared this last week, so if I did, sorry for double story time, but welcome to me. Um, last week that happened and he was like, where are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm downstairs cooking some chicken. And we're in the same room. So he just looks right. at my screen and I'm literally just staring at a skillet, pounding <laughs> mugs of grog. Right. And then I come upstairs and I'm like, hey, do you want some chicken? Get upstairs, projectile vomit directly into its face and then fall off the boat. <laughs> no, you did not share the story. Okay. Because your character like sways a bunch, like oh, it's really oh. hard to stay balanced when you're when the character's drunk. Like it's crazy how much you stumble, and and the boat's rocking anyway. And yeah, I walked up, projectile vomit onto him, fall into the water. So he has to drop anchor now. So, so, I so your character back. just vomits just 
because they're too drunk? Like, drunk. I didn't know if yeah. there was a vomit button. Like, this was an intentional, no. like. <laughs> no, I, what happened was I felt like he was maybe upset that I was cooking the chicken. So I took a bite out of it, but there's two bites. So in, in the game, you can, if you hold right click with an item in your hand, yeah. you can present it to another player and okay. they can actually take it. Okay. So I was like, you want to bite a chicken? So then he took it to eat it. I, I vomited on him right in that moment uncontrollably. I didn't mean to. Um, Ruin yeah. the chicken. <laughs> he still ate it. It was fine. He oh, still ate it. <laughs> oof, oof. We're pirates. So you can't, yeah, you know, fair. you can't yeah. waste not want not, you know, there you like, go. Um, but like, like what story, you know, like that, that that's just so ridiculous. So then he had just, to drop anger and go basically rescue your drunk butt. Like, I mean, I swam to okay. the boat, but yeah, he did have to stop the boat and wait on me for to swim back. Um, I, I mean, there you, you can load yourself into a cannon and shoot yourself out of the cannon at other ships, which I have <laughs> done several times, but never landed on the boat. Like I usually hit, some part of it and then ricochet another direction <laughs> quite some distance. Um, but it's the thought that counts. Right. Um, <laughs> but no, I, it's just, and like, I, I don't know if there's a hidden MMR system to it, but that day when we played for nine hours, mm -hmm. we literally didn't die a single time. Wow. And we fought, I, I don't know. We fought a bunch of people. Like we fought dudes that like, like, thought that they were going to gank us, I think, yeah. and then chased us, and then they got smashed on, which, to be clear, is some dumb luck, because it's not like we're super pro at the game. And we've definitely encountered other people that are way better than us, so right. I don't mean it like we're the best at the game ever or something, but it was just, it was crazy. I mean, we just managed, and, and what's cool is your ship, as it takes damage, reflects that damage on the outside. So our ship, like, we eventually switched to, we actually unlocked a paint coat for it because nice. that's one of the cosmetics. Yeah. So we painted the ship that we had, but it actually maintained the damage. That's cool. Which was then even more obvious because now it's not just, like, wood that's a little right, damaged. highlighted like, by color. Exactly. And so I was like, dude, I'll tell you what, if anyone, if I saw this ship, I wouldn't mess with it because <laughs> clearly we've made it through some stuff. You know what I mean? Like, like if you're... If you're bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and 18, and you wander into a place, and there's some, like, thug types around, you're like, whatever, I'm Sky, I can take them. And then there's, like, Bowser the Bruiser, who has 18 facial scars. Like, right. probably not going to try to pick a fight with that dude in Fight Club. Not on your first night, you know? Like right. Correct. Correct. Um, but anyway, yeah. I, it's just, so it's been... Did so you name been, your ship? I must know. No. Um, and I think that part of that is because a, there's not a mechanic to like, if there, if there was a way to write a, a name on the side of the right. boat, Oh, hundred percent. We would have, um, <laughs> probably have been foul too. Correct. Yeah. Which was uh, why there isn't the option to do that. <laughs> probably true. Yes. Um, but, um, the other thing is, is that again, when every time you load into the game, like, you know, from Windows or whatever, like load the game new. Or if you even just leave your session back to the main menu and then rejoin, it's a new ship. Right. Right. Like you don't. So every time you join, the ship is actually default and you have to go to the vendor that sells the ship uh, cosmetics and assign them. them. Okay. But what was cool is that even though we're in Hammaker, like Hammaker always hosted. So even though we were in his game, um, 
and so it's technically his ship, if you right. will, right? Because he's the host. It actually let me apply cosmetics that I had unlocked to that ship, which was cool because the boat That's cosmetics were cool. really, yeah. Um, it's not one of those you can't progress further in the game unless the other player has also progressed to that point. It's like, hey, you have this cosmetic, you can apply it. Right. Well, and yeah, and, and well, and so what that let us do is like we both bought different cosmetics so that we could put yeah, everything. You don't have those. to. You don't have to both buy the same thing. Yeah, right, that's right. awesome. Um, and then yeah, the last time we played, we we found what they call a tall tale, which is like a really involved quest that's that's pretty long, and that was super cool. Like you start out and you you go talk to a guy, and then he sends you to look for a shipwreck somewhere. And then so did you, you just you find... like stumble into this guy? Is this a guy on like an island, or is there like a known location that you can do these things from? Yes, that okay. um, on the map it's marked all of the outposts that have a tall tale book okay. at them. And so you go and talk to like an NPC in the bar and he talks to you about the tall tale and kind of gives you the first step, if you will. Gotcha. Um, but yes, yeah, so you like sail to a shipwreck and find a, a log and then that has clues, but it's kind of vague. I mean, you obviously you can Google it and just, of course. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Burn the whole thing if you want, but it's actually a pretty cool thing. Like, like one of the things we found was like a diary where the, the people are running from, another ship and so the diary starts where they say we were at this island which is a named island on the map right and they were like and then the pirates came and so we fled to the northeast and we came across a small island and dropped our our treasure box to the west of the island and then headed east towards a small grouping of three islands so then you go on the map and you can look at the named island that they said for the point of reference but then you're like okay so they went northeast and then you find a small island but then you're looking for one that to the east of that has three, three smaller. Right. I mean, it's not, you know, not that it's like FBI level investigative work. No, here for sure. But I, I mean, are there other similar types of puzzles? Yeah, there. I mean, I think there's, I, I'm guessing, but I think there's maybe, maybe 20 of these in the game. Okay. And there's multiple steps to each one. Okay. And I don't know if they, we only have access to the one right now. And I don't know if they continue to, to increase in complexity as you go through them. Okay. Um, but yeah, just I don't know, just really, just really cool stuff um, in the in in that content. And again, like it's just so interesting to be so engaged in something that's really just kind of creating its own stories. But like one thing that players kind can do like is D and D. No, <laughs> it, yeah, no, it is, it is. That's what made me. That that that's kind of the connection I was drawing as well. Is it, it is that it's it it's playing for the sake of playing, not for the sake of accomplishing some made up task well, i'm definitely playing D for loot i've got goals that i am trying to get and they require a lot of gold i am an yeah. artificer the first thing i need is full plate mail and that's 1500 gold and i've got like maybe 400 gold from like we just hit level three so i'm like a little bit but also i want to make goggles of the night so that i can get dark vision i've actually got a pretty cool rope like i've just become rope guy now and, hmm. Like I have an animated rope as one of my items, and I'm I plan on enhancing it further to use it like in combat and stuff. So I just, but to enhance it, I need money. I need money for <laughs> spell scrolls and research and materials. Right. Yeah. So I'm. <laughs> I, I might recommend piracy, actually. Yeah, uh, you know, you it's need... not a it's not a terrible idea. <laughs> we're uh, pretty landlocked at the. Actually, we're not. We just got out of a dock, but it is a city planet, so it's kind of Coruscanty. 
planet gotcha. time. So gotcha. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I really, I, I'm really impressed with it. Um, it it's something that I, I think we talked about this last week too, but like I had always seen, I mean, I'd seen streams of it and stuff. And I was always really turned off, frankly, by the kind of cartoony look of some of it. And I was like, this just kind of looks like a Disney game. But it, I don't feel that way at all when I play um, it. The skeletons and stuff do look like they're from. Yeah, for sure. And to me, it looks like first person. Wow. But pirates. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still yeah, that's... It's very cell shaded. Not as yeah. hard edge of polygons, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I definitely. Um, definitely recommend it and what i mentioned started to mention earlier is i don't know if there's some hidden mmr when you're playing because the way it works is that in in whatever instance of the world you're in i think it maybe adds three or four other ships to your world at any given time but i don't think it goes beyond that and i mean it's a pretty sizable yeah we're talking it's a big map it is but which is cool though because you're not constantly engage yeah, with other people it sounds like it would be a death match all the time if it were anything else yeah. right um but anyway so what the way we think we understand it to work now is that if we join with the two of us in a game then it will only put us in a map with other ships that also have parties of two okay but they could be bigger ships. Okay. So we've encountered, because we always sail the sloop, which is the smallest ship and is made for two, but there's a a ship that's made for three and a ship that's made for four, which that one, I think you could have way more than four on it. But anyway, but we've encountered two people sailing those larger ships. So on the one hand, it's kind of like, well, this seems kind of unfair because they're, they're honestly just faster (laughs) than our small ship is, I guess, because they have more sails. I don't know, but they're also harder to sink. Because MRHP, you can well and just like you can fill up the lower level of the the I don't know if it's the frigate or the galleon, whatever the bigger ship is, the biggest one is. It has three stories. Like it has the upper deck, a middle floor, and an entire basement floor. That basement can be completely filled with water, and the ship doesn't sink. Wow. Whereas a sloop only has above deck and below deck, and if below deck gets completely saturated, you're you're done. You know what I mean? Right. So, but. The difference is, or the, the the downside for them trying to do that, is that running a giant ship like that with two people is insane because it has three separate sails and you have to go to each one physically and adjust it. And you know what I mean? So, and, I mean, and just I running I, around. I, it the sounds ship. like you would just make Ham do all of that. Like, well, that's I try and do that on the sloop. Um, and I do, but yeah, but pa- that, maybe that's why I don't like the bigger ships because it's not <laughs> it's possible. You, it's not possible for you to drink and eat chicken. If Which is what are, I want to do. Right. There are multiple right. sales. Yeah, I want to drink and eat chicken. And then I like to go and stand out on the very front, like little, I don't know what you call the board that sticks out of the very front of the ship. Um, do you need Leonardo DiCaprio to come up behind you and lift you up? He could. Yeah. He could. I'm on I'm on top of the world. Yeah, I think so. What is it? I think so. Okay. I was I, I was seen... searching for it and all I could come up with was like I'm flying and then Peter Pan references and I was like, that's not right. <laughs> I actually in a in in the, the the list of movies I've never seen, Titanic is one of them. Yeah. So I haven't okay. actually seen it. It's okay. Yeah. I'm it was intentional. It was actually the first time I can remember not seeing a movie despite enormous pressure to see said movie i was like 10 but anyway um 
But yeah, I don't know. I just rambled about Sea of Thieves for a long time. Yeah. Anything else that you've been you've been playing at all? So I have, but I'm gonna hold it. I I'll let okay. people know in case they want to completely ignore next week's episode or get a little excited for <laughs> it, which I hope they'll get a little excited for. Um, I have I, I finally launched. So I like I said, I'd been playing through EDF five, but been kind of meh about it, right? And I was feeling honestly just kind of down the other day for no real big reason, just kind of blah all day. Like I'd done nothing, been just tired and grumbly. And I was like, I want a new game. I was like, hey, wait, I bought like four games on the Steam sale and installed them all. And actually not four. I got a couple off the Epic Store for free and didn't install them. Anyway, I got about four games in the same week. And one of them is a game that I actually do want to play. So let's try it. And it is uh, the SteamWorld games, Hand of Gilgamesh. Ah. And uh, I was really uneasy about it because I'm not, I wasn't really feeling like a card battler, which I knew it was kind of like, I think, what's the other one? Slay the Spire, I think. Mm -hmm. It's supposed, it was all I knew, all I knew. I had not watched any trailers, any footage, anything like that. All I knew is that I have loved every single SteamWorld game that my hands have touched. And it was a card battler of some sort. Um, I have booted it up. I have played, I think, just through the tutorial. Like, I think I literally got, like, because it, it doesn't give you, like, I mean, it, there's a little bit of tutorial, but then there's also, as we were kind of talking about with, like, Magicka, there's a few missions that you go on and they drip feed you a, a little. Con I consider all of that tutorial. I think I've gotten through that. I've gotten to the third character. So now it's, like, fully taught me how to manage a party. Unless I get a fourth character later, and then I'll I might get a little bit of management, but that could be way down the line. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I have been loving it, despite the fact that it. it I've previously said that I don't like turn-based games. Um, and right. It is turn-based, but it, it's it's saving grace is it has like a fast-forward button. So once all the turns are locked in, you can like fast-forward through everything, which is kind of cool. Oh. I won't go too far into it because I honestly don't know. I don't want to like go too deep. Everything I've touched so far, I love. Um, I love the style, all of the mechanics. I love how it works. Um, and the fact that it's just robots in fantasy world. It's like a point and click adventure of robots in fantasy world. And I'm all about that. Uh, yeah. it, it definitely feels Kenny King's questy. And hmm. I'm super excited to, to play some more with it. But I, I want to give the game a much better what for because before I give too much of a reaction, cause I don't know what else it seems like the game has some more mechanics in it that they've like kind of hinted at. And there's pieces of that are shown, but that I don't really understand yet. So the right. steam world games have all had pretty good progressive revelation and things like evolving mechanical systems in the game, uh, despite the steam punky mech things. But, uh, yeah, like mechanic-wise, things change and grow as you play. So I'm really interested to see what they do with it. So I'm I'm excited, and I hope to be talking about that quite a bit next week. Yeah, I remember that you had played through the other two and liked them uh, quite a bit. I mean, uh, it, it's interesting because clearly the games are successful because they continue to make them in that franchise, right? And <laughs> regardless of how much we love the art of games, and, and I don't mean like visual art but i just mean games as art right um in the end if it doesn't sell it doesn't get made right, right. especially not sequel um and the fact that they're willing to do multiple games 
in the franchise, but that are totally different play styles. Yeah, the only one that's a sequel is SteamWorld Dig. And then, but um, Heist is independent. So, like, there's SteamWorld, and then I think Heist was their second, and then Dig, and now Hand Mm. to Gilgamesh. Yeah. And, yeah, you're right. It is very strange. And, like, to have the same art style, and there's still a through story, because, like, the world is the same, so, like, the history and stuff is the same. But, yeah, totally. I mean, SteamWorld Heist, a 2D turn-based XCOM cover shooter, uh dig one is very much so just kind of a a a graph based digging game kind of i don't know it's not graph based but like grid based i guess where you're kind of there's a style of game where you there's like i don't know mega miner or um there's a really popular one with the guy with the spelunky so yeah there's games like that like it's a very spelunky style game however like even steam world dig 2 which is that same kind of game is much more like a Metroidvania, um, mm. and a lot more like very strong adventure game vibes. And the first one has some adventure. The second one like almost double downs on that. Like so, even though they're they're in the same vein, even those games are pretty drastically different from each other, despite a common core. Um, hmm. But yeah, Heist and Hand to Gilgamesh are completely different gaming experiences and that's right like i think that that's incredibly awesome for the company to do and for a long time i was kind of iffy about it and i'm not because i'm not a hundred percent sold on steampunk robots especially the way they a lot of it has been kind of wild west steampunk robots um and so that's a conflict of things that i don't like i'm not the biggest fan of westerns uh but then things that i do like like steampunk and robots so it's been difficult but this is steampunk robots in fantasy land, so I'm I'm all about it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's an interesting choice and I mean to some extent I don't know, like you know, like I think for example and obviously people will disagree, but like I would argue that um like like look at Halo as a franchise. Right. I think Halo 3 is better than 1 or 2. Right now, again, that's that, fair. That's I'm, I'm a two. I'm a two. I have nostalgia glasses for two, but Halo Three was good. I'll give it that. Right, um, and I would even say that Reach is pretty good, but once you get past that, it's not really fair to, fair to say it jumps the shark because it's not that extreme. Right, of but it's kind of more the same. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Is that on the one hand, by making the same, you know, iter- making a new iteration of the same thing, if you will. On the one hand, maybe it allows you to refine it and maybe like maybe yep. XCOM 2 is better than XCOM 1. You know, again, I don't know, but maybe maybe it allows you to be more nuanced or maybe it allows you to do things that you weren't brave enough to do in the first game. And now you are in the second. Right. However, I think eventually it almost always runs its course, right? Right. Like, and so except Call of Duty or Assassin's Creed. Or Far Cry. Okay, so okay except, fine. Except for the AAA publishers. No, even them. I a, mean, bit a lot of them do. I personally don't get anything out of a Call of Duty game anymore. Like, um, not really. Yeah. I've, I'm not going to go through and play a new version of Zombies. That's never happening. No. Maybe no, if no. it was a version called Nazis, then it's at least a little different or something. I don't know. But Right. <laughs> right, right. Um. But yeah, but I don't know. But but by by making totally different, you know, genres of game within the same IP, it kind of frees them from the expectations of like, well, this was in the first one, like Magico, where my complaint is that the controls are slightly right. different. Right. Like, 
but maybe the controls being different is actually appropriate, but it's just off putting. Well, I think it's also, it shows a lot of strength to a publisher, especially an indie publisher. Cause it's fine if you make an indie game and then sequel that indie game. And like you said, refine it and give a better story, give do braver things, try some new mechanics, but still essentially the same kind of core game. Cause that's the game you know how to make. But mm -hmm. when you go from a point and click card based battler adventure game to a real-time uh, grid mining, dungeon crawling, ad like side-scroller. Like, those are completely different types of game. And you could be really good at making side-scrollers. Maybe all of your games are side-scrollers. Um, you know, but yeah. the And it is interesting to see that, I mean, it's obvious that their company has either gotten bigger or they've been able to spend and leverage more time. Because, like, while the art style is the same and has always been good, there's just a lot more of it now and and animation and stuff so it's it's nice to see like it you could just tell the studio is doing good um, right so that's awesome um yeah the only other thing i was gonna briefly mention just because we've talked a lot of, uh, about it as an ip on this show is uh, is warhammer um obviously you've been a warhammer fan for a long time yeah i've only more recently become engaged with it at all and I probably shared this on the show previously at some point, but but so I had ordered. I, I haven't really found a Warhammer video game that's truly satisfying. Um, it's because they're all space so I, marines. You got to get out of the space marines. Yeah, I, I think that. I mean, I think that the RTS versions, the Dawn of War games, are probably the best ones that I've played. And to be clear, I haven't played all of the Warhammer games ever made either, so I don't know. But of the ones I've played, those are the best. Like the problem with Space Marine honestly, is that it's not that it's based around space Marines that makes it not really that great. It's just not really that great. Like it's just not, it's just kind of a very That's middling fair. action game. A lot of their games are honestly like that where mm -hmm. I don't know, we could go, we've gone into it some before, but games workshop gives their IP out to just about anybody. And most people don't do anything good with it. Um, well, that's what's interesting is like on the one hand, they give it to anybody, but then famously, on the other hand, wouldn't give it to Blizzard, which is why we have Warcraft and Starcraft instead of just oh, that's right. Warhammer. Remind me, I have a Starcraft update. Oh, OK. Um, but anyway, just quickly, I uh, I started watching uh, or excuse me, I started reading a Warhammer 40K book um, that's actually a trilogy. That's the Eisenhorn series. And it's um, it's actually really good. I, I finished the first book. And I was surprised because it's it's the first time I've ever read a book that reads like an action movie. Um, but it's incredibly dark. The violence in it is incredibly uh, <laughs> shocking and abrupt. Um, and yeah, it's just a it's a it's a really interesting read. And it 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 was exactly what I was looking for because and it's exactly why I thought the book would succeed in this, because with a book. Eh, so much is left to the reader, right? Yeah. So in Space Marine, the game, I can see all this stuff and it looks cool, but if it plays clunky, it still just breaks my immersion. Right. But when reading the book, like, you don't have those kinds of downfalls. Now, you could if the writing was bad. Of course. But it's not in this case. But yeah, so like, like you encounter a Chaos Marine. And the way that they describe the Chaos Marine, it, I mean, it makes it terrifying. Like, it makes it like this incredibly powerful. And honestly, the way they describe Space Marines... Like, I always had this impression of space marines, like they were like marines in StarCraft, where they're just kind of a dime a dozen and who cares. 
but that's not how at all no, how they're portrayed. They are like, they are rare as angels, and they are to be treated as such. Yeah, and they're and they're like like the 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 main character is an inquisitor, and again, I I know nothing really about all of the lore, but I always thought that an inquisitor would be like equivalent to a space marine, just in a different vein. But new, no, like the inquisitor is like completely you know looking up to the space marine right. and, you know humbled isn't really the right word but in that way reverent i guess i go. should say space marine um but yeah it was i mean it, it did to a slight disappointment it only it so far is only empire versus chaos really there's there's been mention of tyranid um so maybe we'll know. get some of that i was i was but gonna honestly, ask like so is I know that you were a bit trepidatious because it was just there was a chance that it was just Imperium time. But do you feel that that's kind of vindicated now that you're getting a deeper side of what the fan? I want to say the fantasy, I guess, the fiction lore versus because like you're right, like in the video game, you don't any of the games, you don't feel like a space marine is an angel of the emperor because you have to make them five at a time out of a barracks or whatever right or they're just the main character so you always feel like they're there and like a chaos marine is like yeah you know skulls for the skull throne i've got skulls on my waist and like i'm red and it's like yeah but actually they're terrifying transmogrified demonic forces like so do you feel like the descriptions that you're getting of the imperium and of chaos are maybe in some way like counterbalancing that initial fear that it was just going to be Imperium and chaos. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, because I, the thing is, is I just, I just have a huge soft spot for green skins. So you just honestly, that's at some point, I just want, I just want the green skins involved because they're just so like ridiculous and terrifying, but they're more sentient than something like a Tyranid or a Zerg, right. which is like completely removed from humanity. Whereas a green skin while they're in no way human, uh, you know, literally, they still talk, right. you know, and Boy, they still... just paint it red, you grot, like, yeah. Right, right. Honestly, that's what made me ask you the question about voices earlier, because when you were like, we had to fight goblins, I was like, I wonder if anyone does a green skin goblin voice, um, which I know you're not playing Warhammer, so no. I but... would if I was the DM. I definitely DM'd my, my, yeah, I made voices for all the monsters and animals and stuff, so. Nice. Um, but yeah, no, I would, because yes, like, like, so for example, and you know, whatever spoiler alert, I don't know. I'm not giving away the plot, you know, but like there is a scene where the, the characters land on a planet and, and there's some other human bad guys there, like that are involved with chaos that they're pursuing, but they think that that's all that they're pursuing is just these human you know, corrupt chaos minions or whatever. And then, yeah, it, you know, out of a tent that they, they like find their encampment and out of a tent walks a chaos Marine. And like one of the characters is like scarred emotionally for like weeks after that. Um, because there are not just emotionally, but psychologically, right. because it's just so. Cause they carry the warp just, with them. Like, well, and like the, the, all the different symbols that it has carved into its armor and stuff like, Basically, what happened was she is kind of new to all of what's going on, so she didn't know not to look. Whereas, like uh, the Inquisitor, when he looked at it, was like, "Can't look at that. I know what that does." That has heresy written all over it, right? Well, but it really will just yeah, it'll like, influence you life. psychically, yeah, right. 
Um, but no, yeah, absolutely. There's super cool stuff. And, and like the, the age of the characters, I, I didn't understand that characters live to be hundreds of years old. Right. Um, so that's really cool, but no, yeah, it's a, it's a, a, it's everything that I had hoped I would get out of reading the Warhammer book. It has provided me the way to engage with that. Again, that intellectual property. Right. That's not a video game and that's not playing the board game. Um, and yeah, I'm so I, I, I'm in love with it. I hope I can find another series after this one. So you're reading the whole series now? Because I know it was just first book, just to see. So are you think you're going to try to go through oh. it? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I'm I'm I don't know, not very far, but I'm into the second book awesome. already. Awesome. Um, and yeah, I will 100 percent finish it because it's it's just a it's just a really interesting it's an engaging story, and it's not you know so many of the fiction books that I read are these thousand page novels or 700 page novels. Right. And these just aren't that. I think all three of these will total what one game of Thrones book. Is. Right. You know awesome. what I mean? So I like that too, that I can actually get through it without committing my whole life to reading it. So that's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I highly recommend Eisenhorn. If anyone out there is like me, that was maybe on the fringe with Warhammer. You don't know that much. It's a really, really good. It is incredibly graphically violent though. So if you <laughs> are in any way, squeamish about that then maybe it's not for you i'll just say that up front it is and, it, and it's crazy how i love how abrupt it is though because the reason i like warhammer so much or i love the bleakness of it yeah like i love that there isn't hope like it's just there's just more war and there's just more planets with more bad stuff and it in the the way that the violence is descript, described in it is very much that it's like i mean it might be a scene where it's like and then, you know, and then we heard laser shots fire out and then we returned fire and then my hand was blown off. Wow. And it's just it's just that and it's just like, wow, OK, like didn't see that. Or it's this whole description of how this battle unfolds and then someone just eats a bullet straight to the dome and their head explodes. Oof. And that's it. They're done now. Yep, that character's like, gone. Goodbye. OK. <laughs> All right. I like this. I like this. So, um, yeah, yeah, totally, totally worth it. I very happy with it well awesome so the last thing that i have to share shoot super quick uh i just kind of wanted to give a shout out one for people that don't know uh and two for people that have any amount of interest is that there was a massive update to the starcraft 2 level editor that mm. has just recently occurred and i did stopped reading several paragraphs in of bullet like paragraphs of bullets and after bullets i don't know i scrolled another dozen scrolls through the page i i would call it like if i had to copy it all to a word doc maybe eight or ten pages of in-depth updates not just little bug fixy things but like the starcraft 2 level editor now contains water pathing and you can put ships on it uh, currently, I think that you have to build the path for them. I don't think the AI can fully control a water path unit. Um, but as we know, like StarCraft is about jets and tanks and Marines. There are no na there's no Navy in StarCraft. Um, right. So introducing that is kind of just a big like, like, yeah. what is that even there for? Like, right. Um, but they're just they're giving it and and I, I won't go through and expouse, but some of it I didn't understand. A lot of it is like, oh, these variables can now work in a multifunctional way instead of a single function way, which sounds probably super powerful for people that wanted to do really complex stuff. Um, like I said, like I don't, I feel like eight to fifteen pages. I could be over speaking, but it's ridiculous. 
uh, the amount of patches that came into a level editor for one for a game that the level editor is supposed to be like the tack on the like, have fun guys mm-hmm. um, to just a 10 year old game. Like, yeah, no, that's, that's really cool. I mean, honestly, I will say when Starcraft two came out in 2010, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually thought the level editor was going to be a much bigger deal than it was. Like I thought it was going to, <laughs> which I was obviously I was completely wrong, but I thought it was going to revolutionize gaming to some extent. I kind of did I too. People, I had that same feeling. Well, because at first, I mean, you saw people trying to create MMOs in it, mm-hmm. and people creating just entirely new games within it, and it was so robust that I was like, "This might just be a a sandbox, basically, for people to just make crazy amounts of stuff." Now there are lots and lots of arcade games, but they never really. Um, they're all very gimmicky, short kind of things. Right. You know what I mean? Like I've never, so it didn't, it didn't have the impact that I it's thought it would. It's hard to but... make a full campaign. Although I think there's also sub levels that you can make now. Oh yeah. And the height map, which I think this also will include, it could change like competitive Starcraft, uh, because you can now have 15 levels of hills where mm. currently there's like three. Where you can have like below, right. kind of below subground, ground, and then above ground with like ramps and stuff. Now you can have up to fifteen layers of that. Yeah, I mean, if you think about some of the maps, there are some maps though where like the main is up high, and then it, the the natural is like down a ramp. But then there's another ramp down the natural, right. so you can't like reaper jump into the main. Right. So that yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's gonna like revolutionize it, but that that's right, a three right. level height map. But having yeah. up to 15 levels could just make for some really interesting map designs. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. That's true. Um, yeah, I'm 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 constantly <laughs> excuse me. I'm constantly impressed by, <laughs> frankly, just the fact that Starcraft 2 continues to thrive in any way. For sure. Um, I mean, I'm, happy, I'm glad I, I watch pro matches daily. Um, my wife, God bless her. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I am, I'm surprised that it is still as out there as it is, that it's still, people are still interested in it and people still love it and play it and, and that there is a scene for it. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, um, it's funny because I've, I like, I feel like, like I really wasn't that big of a Starcraft one fan. Like, I mean, I played it when, when I was a kid a little bit. But then after, by the year 2002, when I graduated high school, I was, I was done. You right. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, I didn't really care about it again. And then two came out and I mean, it's just been a, I mean, we opened this whole podcast mm-hmm. by doing a series about Blizzard and you know, especially at that time we were playing Starcraft two. I don't know. Like it, it's crazy to me how much of a fan I have become of that game and and how important i think that that it is now despite it being a dying genre (laughs) in a 10 year old title um that's not i mean blizzard doesn't even host the the no yeah it's moved off but but to then turn around and release the the like most mega map editor update again not even a core update to the game an update to the map maker like yeah i don't know who the audience for that is but right. there are, they got to be awesome people. And I mean, like for their faults, like Blizzard has slipped up some, especially in this last couple of years with the way some things have been handled. But they're still kind of 
a good guy, even with their slip ups, they're proving that they can be a good force in the AAA games industry. So, yeah, I feel the same way about Bungie. Actually, I've been really impressed with what Bungie's doing. You know, they left Activision yep. and Activision wanted to make Destiny three. They really didn't want to do that. So they separated and they've just they've laid out a roadmap now for the last next several years where they're like, we're not making Destiny three. We're going to curate the content in Destiny two so that it doesn't become over bloated. And I just think it's really cool to see them go in that direction because uh, I didn't anticipate it. I mean, I don't I don't loathe Activision or something. No, when Bungie got acquired, I mean, Activision's like EA light in my books. Like they're not completely canned for me yet, but they've gotten close. And like when they acquired Blizzard, it was okay at first, but then people started getting laid off and departments started getting closed and I was super worried for a long while. And then, yeah, when they acquired Bungie and then Destiny 2 happened, I was like, oh, no, oh, no, this is terrible. And then Bungie went there. They bought themselves back out, which you never see happen. Um, right. And I was impressed that Activision facilitated Right, that. let them. I mean, I don't know what legal things yeah, are in place. For sure. me. But either way, it wasn't. Either way, Activision also didn't smear them in the media right. when they did like and try like to win Destiny Two or try to keep Destiny Two or something. Try to keep the intellectual right. rights or something. They actually, I mean, they made it. I mean, so Destiny Two went free to play when it went to Steam. Yep. Now, if you buy the newest content, it's not. Right, but the base right. game is free to play. But yeah, I mean, they made it. They also made it super easy. Like if you owned it on Blizzard, like I did, you know, on Battle.net. Right. Um, you there's just there was just literally a single button click to migrate it to your steam account i mean you had to link your right. steam account but that's it and then boom it migrated everything over and was a seamless transition like it was it was i i guess maybe there you go like blizzard and bungie <laughs> the two good guys like worked together so it all worked right well, you know what i mean it all came out wash <laughs> right right um but yeah no that's super cool that they've they're they've updated the level editor Anything else you wanted to talk about this week? I don't think so. I think that's it. I'm eager for uh, to play more uh, Hand to Gilgamesh and see where that goes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's all for our episode today. Please join the discussion by tweeting your thoughts to us at P-U-Y-S-Pod, or you can follow us there to get a notification on our stream times. Check out the links below for many other ways of getting a hold of us. From email to Discord, we'd love to hear and discuss your thoughts. If you like this episode, please give us a rate, do a star, a thumbs up, write a review, whatever you can to do where you're listening. And hey, tell a friend about us. It really does make a difference. All of the links will be available in the show notes. And if you want to hear more of Walker's insights and conversations with a variety of unique guests on topics outside of gaming, check out his other podcast, The Walk Show, which is available everywhere podcasts are found. (laughs) 